Hey guys, welcome to the PR Podcast, a show designed to keep you up to date with PR ministries. My name is Michelangelo Guido. I'm the son of Michael Rocco and Celeste Allen Guido, the founders of PR, a ministry formed to pursue relationships, cultivate creativity, and encourage reconciliation on earth as it is in heaven. In this episode, my parents talk about marriage. They had just celebrated their 31st anniversary, and as I put this podcast up, my wife and I are just a day away from our first. They talked about what qualities they learned to value in each other in those early years, how they were challenged and strengthened by each other and those around them, and how they ministered to singles, other pastors, and both touring musicians and their spouses. My parents had opened their home and hosted a couple different families the week prior to recording this episode, so they were pretty drained and a little hesitant to record at first. They were both champs to sit down with us, and thankfully the goofiness at the beginning helped us shake it off and have a really encouraging conversation. As always, my parents truly appreciate all of your prayers and support as they minister to others, so if you are interested in giving to PR, learning more about the ministry, or want to send them a letter of encouragement, go to www.prministries.com, and all the info you need is there. Thanks for listening to the PR Podcast and supporting my parents in all they do. May God bless you as you continue to be reconciled to him and those around you. And uh, the next time we do this, we'll have a little baby Guido with us. My wife and I are expecting this week, hopefully, the due date's tomorrow, as well as our first anniversary. So thanks for all your love and prayers. And we'll get to it. All right, here we are, August 10th, here with uh, Mama Papa G, a.k.a. Michael Celeste Guido, my parents, my wife here. Uh, we're celebrating our one-year anniversary on Yay. Monday, also waiting for our firstborn child, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Mom and Dad have celebrated their 31st anniversary. Um. And that was on what day was that? That was that was was that Tuesday? Yeah, that was Tuesday. Tuesday. Michael, it was a glorious day. We had romance, champagne, and caviar. <laughs> no, no, he's kidding. Yes, it was Tuesday, August eighth. August eighth, eighteen uh, eighteen eighty six. I almost spit out. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, can we start over? No, 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 no. Leave it going. Leave it going. Where was the prayer? Leave it going. I know, I'm going to pray. Oh. We can't even reach the Excuse prayer without <laughs> getting what year we live in, or what century we live in. 1886. All right, so I'm going to say a prayer. Don't forget it's, the it's always because it's all new beginnings. It's always a struggle to get in the mindset for this, but I think it's going to be good. All right, Lord, thank you so much for mom and dad opening up their home to us and... Um, feeding us a great meal tonight and also um, being willing to tell us about marriage and what you've taught them in their marriage and what to um, pray for, expect um, in ours. Thank you, Lord, for uh, their ministry and all they do and hosting people and continually serving others. Um, Bless them and bless uh, this new season that you started in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so 31 years of marriage. Uh, when did it go wrong? <laughs> 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 Do 
Just kidding. Uh, I'd say the challenge came after the 13th year. Year? No, no, yeah. So I guess. Wait a minute, what's um, happening? So obviously, when you're married to someone, you get to know them. He's walking around with his mic. Well, dad's going into the kitchen. Um, So when you get married to someone, it's a whole new level of learning about someone. What. and you guys experienced a lot of change in the first couple of years because you guys moved and had uh, Jonathan within the first year. Um, what is it? What is it like to get married and then to learn more about your spouse in the process? Um, I'll start. I think um, I've never. I never really had a really good example of a marriage. My grandma and grandpa weren't awesome example to me you know they definitely weren't perfect but grandma lucy mm -hmm, grandma lucy and grandpa fernando and um but they loved each other really deeply and well and it was their example i think that was my only example of what marriage was like so i really didn't have a whole lot of uh, memory of that you know just what to expect so it was pretty much um, a blind let's go let's do this from the get-go mm-hmm. and uh we had a honeymoon baby so that changed a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we're pretty much getting to know each other kind of like you guys and had a baby in nine months in and so our first anniversary we had a three-month-old wow. and i think it from there that point on it just you know you just kind of learn and and go with the flow not always easy, but it's definitely been a ride. Um, what? So there are th- things that drew you to dad. Um, what were those things that you really appreciated in those early years of of marriage to him? And then I'll ask the same for dad. But um, I think I I didn't have anybody who really appreciated me for who I was. Mm-hmm. And dad's definitely a hopeless romantic in this in this relationship. <laughs> Um, and I think that's a really important thing about marriage is that one of you has to be a fighter for time and a yeah. fighter for your, um, your well-being and your, you know, just date nights and, and dad was that for me. And <clears throat> I think I was caught up in baby land with all the kids we had so quick, um, that I think he just made it a point to, uh, make that a priority. So I think for me, I fell in love with the guy who just loved me well and still does that's awesome dad what was what were the things that you recognized after i mean obviously different attributes of mom drew you to in the first place what were those things in the early years of marriage that you really appreciated about her besides the bikini (laughs) besides yeah besides her (laughs) matching bikini well i think i think the one thing that was um that she said about not having an anything to look to um we both came from such abusive backgrounds and no you know her no father figure my dad alcoholic and abusive and yet there was love in our home somewhere we you know it's weird we appreciated it more so you know we one of the counselors that we went through when our family went through a real hard time um said on a bell curve the person who's 
who had a struggle in their childhood excels more than the person who has the good Christian home. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's one of the things that made us thrive. It's come back to bite us in the rear end. <laughs> but evidently, that's one of the things that we found that um, maybe we try too hard to provide um, a sense of, of a nice home. But, but the thing that we, one thing that we really were always with you kids as well is when we sinned, we always asked forgiveness from you as well as each other. But the thing that drew me to your mother was the same thing that drew me to Christ was there was a, uh, a real um, genuine love that she had. And I could see it in her. Um, and I didn't think I was worthy of it. Like when a real interesting story was when we were dating. Well, I was it really dating? From New York <laughs> after going to the Huey's wedding. And I was coming back. And we, we had that one dinner in New York where I was feeling something one was stirring. One dinner date. And then I, this is two years after we met. So I came back and she said, well, I'm going to be in L.A. So we went for a date. And I'll never forget waiting for her. And I bought her perfume. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think, I still have a bottle on First it upstairs. What was it? Periellis for women. I bought Periellis mm-hmm. for men. I'll let you smell it later. Okay. It's old and it's stirred alcohol. So what happened? But basically I, was th- I had this gift for her and I go, She's probably not going to show up. Again, that orphan mentality of, mm-hmm. you know, forgetting who your father is, that I'd prayed for this girl, prayed for this woman. And so, again, I didn't think I was good enough. And the thing that I say for people when you really have prayed and God brings you a woman, uh, the worst thing you can do is give off rejection signals because uh, there's a confidence that you should have that God has given you his best. Mm-hmm. God covered it over somehow. And she showed up, and it was then started a revelation to her that we were meant to be together. But it, it really attracted me to her love for family, mm-hmm. genuine love for family. And again, remember, we met by the pool. Yeah, She saw me as a dad and saw me with my daughter, Nicole. So she saw that I was just, again, I just wanted to be a good dad, first mm-hmm. and foremost. So one of my pickup lines was, I know I'm going to have a son. I used to say, I'm praying. I know God's going to give me a son. Well, Lord, a wife, too. But so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was telling her that really God was going to give me a son. And uh, he did. And and then he gave us you a second son, and a daughter, and a second daughter. So with Nicole, that made five. And she always was the mainspring of stability in our home. Mm-hmm. Even in the chaos, as we talked mm-hmm. at dinner, that we've talked to young couples here. They have a nanny. They have sitters. They have whatever. Um, we moved from all our family, came out here, and we knew no one except Michael and Debbie Smith. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they had five kids of their own. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, they, we, we didn't have a lot of help family-wise. So I just saw her engagement as a mom. Mm-hmm. That love for children, that love for family, was a reflection to me of the love of God. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, we we did go on just one date before he asked me to marry him. So yeah, dad dad would always say not to date because uh, he didn't. What? Just, remember, remember he said. I mean, he said that we shouldn't date. And I, looking back on it now, it's like you know, I'd say the majority of my dating relationships were pretty. You know, I didn't learn that much, and it wasn't worth it. But that's all in hindsight. Um, don't have to worry about it now, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Got Mary Beth. Um, so, I mean, you guys talked about family early on in marriage. Um, 
and you guys um, didn't have... I mean, you had the tile business, but it was um, something you didn't feel called to... Or was that was it after you got married when you started to feel like the tile business was just? Oh, I didn't want to leave the tile business, son. Okay, because it was it made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I, the only reason I'm asking this now is because expecting our our firstborn, yeah, is yeah, it puts a whole new pressure financially. Well, yeah. So let's take that for instance. Imagine you have a very successful company grossing in large numbers and you've grown from one employee to 25 you have contracts for three years you're in the hottest market in LA and if your wife says it's time to move we're not gonna have another baby in California and then she gets pregnant and then we start really searching for homes she miscarried and lost that baby Mm. Uh, but we knew God was moving us and stirring us to another level so we started looking around, looking around. Wait, in between me and Jonathan? No, no in between uh, you and Jordan. After, okay, yeah, after yeah. you. I knew that, yeah. Uh, that would have been 1988. 88. 88, 88. And we moved in 89. Mm-hmm. So I looked at it like we're stable. Now I'm going, why would we want to leave this? So I kept thinking, well, I'll start a tile company out here and I'll fly back and forth and have two tile company. And I'll continue to do bands because I used the money from the tile company to support what I did. Mm-hmm. But God is always wanting to get all the glory. And I said this today to some young artists and at, at a dinner, at a lunch. And I feel that this is really something that we miss in the church. There can be no birth to a, ver- a, a vision until there's death to it first. Mm. You have to die to your concept of the vision for God to resurrect his life in it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you, that happens in your life and seasons. And I think... Like right now, as I was joking about the challenges of 31 years of marriage, there's a lot of death going on to ways that we've looked at our marriage. But it just means God's elevating us to another place. We have to hang in there, like Mary Beth said. Come on, Papa G, you got to hang in. But you get worn out in life. Mm -hmm. And every pressure that you have in life, whether it's in-laws, outlaws, families, friends, jobs, lack of jobs, money, too much, not enough, friends, all the things that you... Fresh sickness, health, push down on one thing, your marriage. And if that foundation isn't Christ, isn't a a God foundation, I don't see where it will last. And so one thing that we established early on when you were talking about the beginning, I had prayed that I'd be able to wash my wife with the water of the word. So early on when I thought about our fights, um, if we had a fight, it was very short-lived. Very short-lived. We were both so tender Mm -hmm. in our hearts. There was just such a purity of, because we'd both come out of such, you know, and and the sad thing is you can get kind of jaded in that. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that's God's intention. I think God wants to keep that romance fresh, just like he wants to keep your romance fresh. That being said, we would really just be convicted very quickly to resolve and not let the sun set on your wrath. Now, that doesn't mean you have to get it all right before you go to bed, but that means you you take it to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes reconciliation takes a while. But Again, why would God give us a ministry, reconciliation, restoration, 2 Corinthians 5, and not put you to the test in the very relationship that proves it, mm-hmm. marriage? And mm-hmm. when people look at our marriages in the church and they see the divorce rate the same as the world, they don't see a very powerful God. If God can't keep your marriage together, what's different in your life than mine? I think, too, and, and a really important part of our marriage is that 
we've just been able to be honest and honest with the struggles, honest with the hard things. I don't think we started off that way. I feel like we were kind of naive in a lot of ways of like, oh, this is just all going to work out. And, you know, kind of more uh, just like head in the clouds. And then like life started hitting us pretty hard. And I think God doesn't want you just to be so, you know, heavenly bound that you're not earthly good. And Mm -hmm. we just had to really start to get to an honest place. And I think that's what's really saved and kept our marriage going is the honesty. You know, I'm struggling with you today. You know, I need I need space today or whatever it is. And I don't think we would have done that, right, babe? And at the beginning, we would have been like, well, let's just pray about this. Well, yeah, about I joked this. about when let's it just... hit us. On our 10th anniversary, I remember being away because I would fight, as she said, to get time away, and I'm fighting for that right now. I'm hoping to get away um, in little the fall. Baby little brother for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> we were going to have our own grandkids, but we, no. we would wait. <laughs> Ew. Just wait a few days, probably. Yeah. So, so we were um, on this time away, and she tells a story best. I'll let her tell it. But it was really one of those things where we we're both realizing that we we're away, but you know, started mounting pressures of getting tired of because our house is always open, our lives are always open. I don't travel uh, and come back and you know a day, or I don't you know sit behind a desk and I, I don't you know, stand up from the pulpit for an hour, but the ministry is ongoing and I live with my congregation. So she tells a story about being on the, about the giant. Oh, let me go on that story. About tired. I just said that it was a time where I just said, I just, I don't want to be in ministry anymore. It's too hard. There's, too much uh, at risk and I remember I was just really I was dead honest and just said I'm done I just want to be done and dad said as only dad could say well (laughs) there you go you just opened up a whole can of worms like you just threw a cold bucket on a sleeping giant inside of you and that's your flesh so, you're going to have to go before the Lord and really ask him what he thinks about that. And um, I realize that, you know, it's like God doesn't, he doesn't need us to do ministry. He doesn't need us to try to live above reproach. That's his desire. But he wants us to fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. And That's I think good. the part of my relationship with him was just so cold so dad just left me with that whole visual of I've awakened a sleeping giant inside of me and I realized that you know giants that are dead in you um, wake up really hungry Mm. and if you feed that thought if you start going down that path you know who knows we may not have been together today Mm. because I could have talked my way out of or justified everything about it and it was a really sweet moment it was really hard but I remember thinking wow you're just gonna leave me like that with that thought you're just gonna walk out and I had to wrestle with God and I had to just get before him and you know he showed me that it was my flesh and he showed me that I was trying to be something I'm I'm not 
And no, I don't have to do it perfect. And no, my kids are going to screw up and I'm going to have to just stand there and watch them and be there for them. And, you know, my life's not going to look like what I thought. And sometimes I think we just buy that lie that, well, you're a Christian. Everything should be great and everything should be perfect. And, you know, everybody should line up and uh, it's just a false reality. And, um, that sleeping giant was slayed that moment Mm -hmm. that I finally looked at it in the face. But, you know, it was hard. It was hard. Was that on your 10th anniversary? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. 21 years ago. Mm -hmm. So we decided to rededicate our marriage. And then I got in King. That represents the family around me. We have rings. That represents this ring Mm -hmm. from 10 years before. Now it's 31. So this is something Mary Beth and I have dealt with before um is when you see a married couple and it's just starting to happen for us when they call it quits find you know it's different for everyone but um just having to not only bear the burden of our relationship and the things we struggle with and try and work on but then when you hear news about your friends Mm. or your friends friends yeah um having uh, called it quits and gone their separate ways or just can't find a way to reconcile. What, because you guys are 31 31 years into marriage, so I'm sure it's a lot more frequent for you. What what do you guys go to when you hear news like that? And how do you minister to people that are going through things like this and not bear the burden yourselves? Um, it is it is one of the toughest things in ministry, especially when it's close to home mm-hmm. and they're good friends. And we've seen people quit, not just at the beginning, you know, years in. Um, um, I was telling Mary Beth today about a book that we had, um, we'd been given and it's called um, Happily Ever After, The Myths About Divorce. And again, it's feeding the lie that, you know, well, this will be better for the family, you know, that this will be better for the kids. Um, I'd be better off without them. Those are lies that the enemy just wants to feed. And so when we get, we come across people and some have reconciled and some have really worked it through and gone into counseling and really worked on their stuff. And some are just, we're done. Um, it's really hard when those happen. Well, one of the things that's difficult is because when you're looking at the other person's faults, how much inventory are you taking of your own? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is, like I said at dinner, if, if you want to look at relationships and you look at people who leave marriages, they leave churches, they leave friendships, they leave families. They, that's really a pattern, and it's because they don't want intimacy. And, and really, I believe, we'll never be able to say this was our idea. The marriage or the ministry or the children or the finances or anything Mm. or the death or the despair or the lack of money. Um, I'm not going to blame it all on God, but a great quote from Billy Graham is, I take none of the glory and none of the shame. I give it all to God. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of question marks um, where they should be just periods. I don't want to let go of what I don't know for what I do. Mm. What I do know is what she said. 
It's a romance with God. It's not a romance with my wife. And I've yeah. counseled every couple I've ever counseled. This is not about your marriage. This is not about your relationship. This is the mystery of Christ and the church revealed in marriage. And if this is what you're reflecting to your kids, you really think 30 years down the road, you're going to be the one to walk your daughter down the aisle? You think you'll be the one chosen? And I firsthand know. Because of coming to the Lord through divorce as a non-believer, get saved and then find out there's just as many divorces in the church. Yeah. And the day of my daughter's wedding, I was surprised to find out, my oldest daughter, that it wouldn't just be me as daddy walking her down. Uh, it was different than I expected. It's all good. I mean, I understand the reason. It's, it's all good. Um, but that was one more opportunity where I had to realize God that came through my father to show me more mm. of the love he has. And so all that time I was alone in the process of divorce, once I sobered up and got out of the pain of it and started ministering into my daughter and got time with God all the time, she so I said, Daddy, why don't you date? And I go, I'm waiting on God. I told my whole family I'm waiting on God. And my Italian family go, hey, you got to help God out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> They're worried about me. But so when it's we were brought good. together, I can never say that I pursued her. I pursued Christ. And many people well, pursue Well, you were kind of pursuing me a little. After, God, yeah, but I pursued Christ. as confidence. He, huh? Yes. A God-given confidence. Yes. Yeah, but there was, there was a pursuit that I knew that I would check with the Lord. I would pray. I would confirm. And if it were, you know, I see a lot of people, like, they come to me and they say, well, well, maybe she's not the right one. I go, Did you, what was your prayer life like before you got married? Did you guys pray together? Did you, if you don't pray before you're married, do you think you're going to pray after you're married? Mm-hmm. If you don't have a church before you're married, do you think you have a church after you're married? If you don't have spiritual friends, accountability, like I told you the day before your marriage, you guys, this is the most important thing, which I told you, other than having a counselor to counsel you, and I said to Terry Smith, you need to get with a counselor, mm-hmm. is you've got to find people your own age. Community. That you go through life together to hold each other accountable, commit mm. to the truth of holding each other accountable in relationship and in, in God-centered truth, and people older than you to mentor you, younger mm-hmm. than you that you mentor. Get and your just, eyes off yourself. Just the other night, we got to be with our prayer group, and we all just danced on the deck that under, was the, awesome. under the starlight, and it was <laughs> so sweet. It was just like. We're just here to love on our, our mates, and we're going to do it all together. And it was just really sweet. So, And you guys, I mean, almost every year, if not every year, every other year, would go on a retreat with mm-hmm. them. 25 years. And every I year, mean, 25 years. That's, yeah. How, how important was that to go with not only, you know, you're getting rejuvenated as a couple, but then you're also getting... Strengthened, encouraged by other couples that you know really dearly. How that time in Colorado? Yep, everything. We walk away every every time we leave that group, and we just think, "How did God ever place us in such a great group?" Because it becomes a life net. You end up sharing one another's burdens. You end up. I'll I'll never forget when Bill Lee said, "You guys, we we're here this year with this these." burdens but think of last year when we came Mm. look at what god has done you just need reminders next year there'll be new burdens every year you need a reminder that look we made it one more year and god has been with us and you know we're still all fighting the same battle and we're gonna do this and we just you know we we laid to rest a really dear friend of ours in january or end of december beginning of january and that's what we're here for is just to walk life out till we get to the other side. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's been a life net for us. 
And I think one of the things that's been crucial about it is, is that, as Mom said, it's a safe place that we can share our burdens. And even in that, sometimes where some are more honest than others, and we've always prayed to be a facilitator of openness and vulnerability, and so we've always been open. And sometimes you feel weird when you do, like maybe Not we're now. too honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is—I was going to ask you about this. Um, so. As a young married couple, you guys opened up your home to a lot of um, single people for for a long time, um, and it was Thanksgiving, right? Right. Um, tell me about that because that that's the best. that's kind of sowing seeds into people so, that could eventually be <laughs> in a married relationship. What we would do was it started out really like a lot of our single friends had no family for Thanksgiving. And we started, college. yeah, they just were in, fresh out of college or even in college. We started realizing there was this huge need, this huge void. And so we got together with Amanda and Toby and Mark Hyerman, Amy Hyerman, and we just said, let's open up our homes. We'll rotate homes every year and we'll just go all out. We'll make a huge Thanksgiving dinner. We'll just serve the single people like nobody's business. They can't lift a fork. We'll just come and we'll just. So we would gut out our house. Our house is not that big. I and mean, we would gut out all the furniture. Not gut out. We'd move all the furniture. Well, yeah, we, yeah. We just moved make it, as much space we as We moved it all the way. like yeah. So there was nothing but wall-to-wall tables. And we would get like up to 100 kids in here. And we'd have three turkeys. And I'd use all my neighbors' ovens. Everyone <laughs> knew to donate their ovens and their chairs and their silverware. And we just served them. And I... It felt like it was just the heartbeat of what God was after at that moment. They just felt so loved and, you know, cared for. And um, if they got married the next year, they were servers. And we'd have these brand new newlyweds serving their buddies who were still single. And they would share their story. And we awesome. would talk, everyone yeah, would go around the table, 75 people or more. Thank, what are you thankful, thankful for? Thankful for something. And yeah. It was awesome, and we did that for many years. Um, a lot of, most of them were in our home because, yeah, it just it was yeah. that way. Um, again, because we didn't have anyone to watch you kids, so we. Yeah, <laughs> you, you guys would be in the involved. Game room. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, it was awesome. It, but but what, what is important about opening your home up? And this is one artist I work with. He always, from the day I met him, made me stay at his house, and I, you know, that shows his security that he wants true accountability. He didn't mm-hmm. want to hide. So when you open up your home and you let people come in, um, what you're saying is you, we're going to try and model for you failure as well as victory. Mm-hmm. We're not going to tr- purposely try and fail, but you're going to see us fail. And that's the same thing that would happen on the road with the artist. But w- when when you have that happen, you never realize the impact of it until like just yesterday I found out that Jonathan McIntosh lived in our home for a while I didn't even know it when he saw George he said hey man I, I knew you when you were five I don't think I've seen you since and he's a producer in town and has two kids of his own but you, you just it's it, I think what's sad for your generation many don't have mentors in their life encouraging them to get people their own age to got, dive into the word it's not mm-hmm. like we got with our prayer group and read the word all the time we'd laugh we'd have dinners we'd have fun we'd go to Beaver Creek and we, you know, we'd play games. We'd do a lot of stuff together. But it was there was a Christ-centeredness to it, mm. and it it didn't hurt that Michael would lead us in worship. <laughs> we'd get to yeah. a place of worship, you know. But. Um, 
And so that was one way that I feel like um, you guys ministered early on. But also when, Dad, you were traveling, Mom experienced a lot of what band uh, wives experience where they're, you know, uh, a week, two weeks, Mm -hmm. a month at a time holding the fort down and the husband comes back and... um, can you guys tell me about how you dealt with that as it picked up? Because in the mid-90s, you were doing world tours with DC Talk. And and then, you know, how that prepared you to minister to musicians on a whole nother level once you were home more to tell them the importance of of investing in... in, in well, I would say the traveling worldwide and the <clears throat> traveling that we did extensively was to prepare for the music industry to fail to let guys know that maybe that business model's flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, because if God is day. God, and Christian Shores are going out, <laughs> I had one artist that had been married seven years, he counted up the number of dates they did, and he figured he'd been married three years, I think it was. That's wow. how much touring. But there's one story that mom's going to tell, but I wanted, I thought of one just now, because when he said world tour, we were in South Africa, and a guy was being pressured to get engaged. Remember? Um, it was a baby. You know, you know who it is. It was a baby being born. No, there was a baby being born as well. But Brent, we had to Brent was looking for a yes, ring. Yes, we had And a... he was going to propose over the internet or something. Oh, I go, oh, wow. don't you dare do that. Um, and that one was of these before there was even like... And everybody's yeah. rushing him. Machines, and everybody's telling him, you yeah. should have gone to the to get a diamond that day. Well, the, the next day, and he had a good communication with his girl, and she talked to him. And he, a driver picked him up, and he went in Port Elizabeth. I'll never forget his Port Elizabeth. And he went and found a ring. And uh, we were all excited for him. And at the same tour, one of the guys had yeah, a baby. Yeah, had a baby, and we had to fax a picture of the no baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I think, I think we learned early on that if Dad was going to be on the road and he was going to be ministering to the guys early on, it had to be a double ministry the wives had to be getting ministered to because you can't just do one side of a family. Mm-hmm. You need both. So our ministry really became completely uh, um, both the husband and wife. We would meet with the wives. Amanda and I would start a Bible study and just do a weekly Bible study and a fun night. We'd babysit and or get babysitters and all go bowling or do something to connect them. I have one story that comes to mind really quick about the importance of both husband and wife being ministered to. Because it didn't make sense if dad was keeping the guys on track, if the girls were just completely out of their mind with brand new babies, brand new marriages. A lot Mm -hmm. of them were brand new married. Um, Newlyweds. They were just like, you know, one girl said she had never lived, um, she had just gotten married and never lived alone. So she got married, her husband goes on this humongous tour, and she's immediately alone. And she slept every night in her closet with her dog and a knife. And she just thought that that was the way you do it. And we said, no, 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 we're going to walk through this time. We're going to, we're going to check on you. We're going to, we're going to be there. And mm-hmm. she grew so much that at the end of the tour, she was just, she said, I thought my marriage was going to be over. But not only is it not over, I actually grew in the Lord mm. along with my husband. And That's so cool. 
they quickly realized that she could not handle him being on the road. It was not their calling. Mm -hmm. And he became a great studio musician. And producer. And And they're still married today. That's awesome. This girl was literally deathly afraid of being alone. But we kept checking in on her, making sure she was at Bible study, making sure she was coming to game night or whatever we would do. And she just flourished. And it was Mm. so cool, you know, because you just, you can't have one-sided ministry in this. It's like a family. Yeah. Um, So, flash forward to more recently, now... Uh, a ministry out of Georgia, Atlanta, reached out to you about um, doing a marriage retreat with you, right? Mm. Um, and then through that, you guys have led a couple one-on-one marriage retreats. Can you guys tell me more about that? Because it's been a really cool way to yeah. connect with people, but also to give and... Mm-hmm. To receive. Mm-hmm. Uh, this ministry is called Standing Stone, and it actually does what we do with musicians, but it does it with pastors and their wives. And it's pretty much just a one-off, like a one-time um, ministry retreat. And they asked us to go on one. So we were actually ministered to by an elderly couple by the name of uh, Peggy and Dave Jones. They're young. They are young, but they <laughs> are married 50 years. So they're ahead of us. Yeah, yeah they're ahead of us. And that was the most beautiful part is that they're ahead of us and they had so many great um, tips and just insights and they'd just been around the curve just a little further than us. Um, And as soon as we got back, we realized, wow, that's an awesome ministry because they just poured into us all week and um, we were then asked to be that for somebody else. So it kind of is like a pay it forward in a way that we got to do that with a couple We've done a couple. A couple of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's been and, really and, cool. And we hope to do more. It, it's very draining, though. Um, because well, yeah, because you... Seven days, you prepare every meal. Yeah. The pastor's not allowed to... And his wife, you just finished him, you remind him, you're taking off your pastor hat and wife of the pastor, and you're just a couple. And one of the insights they had, and they have so many statistics about what happens to marriages. Now, think of this. If we're talking about marriage right now, it's the statistics of what pastor's marriages go through. They've put up there on a pedestal and they can't be real with anyone. So they don't want to be honest from the pulpit and they don't, they can't, they, they can't be honest about anything. So one of the struggles they have is the, the, these pastors were falling and they saw it continually. And then they would find out there was no real core group form. And then they found out the elders in the church was more worried about getting new tires on the youth group van than they were about their marriage. Mm. There were very few people that were uh, around them to encourage them. So they'd go on these retreats. They started these retreats, and now they're even doing them in other countries. But um, we really believe in it. It's, it's, it's a need. But the one thing that has been hard for us is to find time to do that in light of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But um, we, the first two couples were amazing, and we're still in touch with them. Uh, Wendy and Carlos Guerrero and Brenda and Barry Bowman. One is from a huge church in uh, North Carolina, right? No, Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania area and the other one is out of California and he used to be a former gang member and mm-hmm. we connected instantly so they gave me a gang member 
That's sweet. Yeah, it's a great ministry. But he's, he's, these two are on fire for a little But the danger I is... I do think, though, I think that what we have to remember, too, is like 31 years into this, we still need a little help. We all need a little tweaking. It's like a car mm-hmm. that needs to get a tune-up. You know, there's nothing like going in and getting someone to speak life over you. I encourage that with every married couple. Um, you know, it'd be awesome if it could happen once a year, but not a lot of times it can. So I just think it's important for people to speak life over you and kind of give you hope in, in areas that they've already been through mm-hmm. and um, shed light in different insights. And that's why I think, you know, this ministry that's that poured into us and now we can pour into others is really important. Yeah. Yeah, and, and with, the, with the way that the ministry works... Um, Oh no! I'm go ahead. Distracted. Yeah, um, I was gonna. I was just gonna ask. Um, you know, you have a community in your prayer group, and uh, you've established a community for married couples in Franklin and Nashville. Um, and you know, you have your church community. What What would you say? was the highlight or in your marriage where you realized that God was doing something really, really great by bringing you two together. Cause you know, like God's given you gifts, dad and speaking and ministering, um, to musicians and, uh, empathizing with, with people about walks of life and mom, God's given you really great, um, gift of hospitality and um just giving always and um a real gift of tenderness and love as well um but is there any time in your marriage where you you just realized that god had done something in your marriage that made you two great together and i know it's a kind of a broad question but I think one thing that she meant about, you mentioned the community, but one of the first communities that made us feel like this is like really serious is when we had a board, mm-hmm. <laughs> another accountability group that was really, has been a family for, uh, since 1990. Um, but it's been a ministry since he started in 84, but really started taking formation. And then we kind of looked at each other and go, wow, this is like, it's like real serious. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, you have to, you have to have meetings and go through things for the government and be accountable and all that. But I think one thing that mom said at the beginning I wanted to touch because it goes with this question. It is an honor to be called into ministry, but I think really what the greatest thing she was saying is the honor is to be called a son and a daughter, not a servant. Mm -hmm. And I think when people get burned out in ministry is because they start taking the ministry like it's a business that you got to do mm-hmm. when the son or daughter you got to be. When I left her with that question on that uh, 10th anniversary, I remember leaving there going, I don't know. I mean, it just came out of me. I mean, whenever I say things sometimes, I, I don't. But I, what I was trying to say to her is, is, honey, this is not a burden. We've been honored that God's called us to do what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do what we love. We love people. We love music. We love the Word of God. We love relationships. We love fun and laughter. But I think what happens is, and again, when anybody thinks they're not in full-time ministry, I doubt if they really understood mm. the salvation message. 
Paul said, woe be unto me if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you haven't been apprehended yeah. by the Holy Spirit like that, that could explain some of the problems in your life in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Because when the, it, it says literally, for the love of Christ constrains me. Mm. Think of a boa constrictor squeezing out every bit. And when, when I was thinking of these guys yesterday, I said, it's it, this death that we refuse to die is the real death that has to happen in mm. our lives. And that's what you struggle with 31 years later. You know, it's like, why do I keep expecting my wife to change? What's annoying me is that I'm annoying her. And if I get out of the way and stop, you know, a guy said to me once, I go, she just knows what buttons to push. And the guy goes, well, what do you do when there's no more buttons? Mm -hmm. You know, so you disarm. I do think, I think I would just say that um, having you kids has been the biggest gift in ministry because I think you guys have just sacrificed so much. You sacrificed dad, you sacrificed me and, and not a lot of families love and give like that. Not a lot of kids give a lot of grace to dads that travel like that. And you guys were awesome. Our kids were amazing and they just, you just went with the flow. I mean, if we had to pack you all up and, drive to Ohio because dad's tour was in Ohio for a couple of days. Yeah. Just nursing jumped in. Yeah. <laughs> nursing a babe, nursing Danielle while I was driving and well, that sounds Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan passing the baby and putting him back in the car seat. It was oh scary, but like, that's probably not good to put on. Anyway. <laughs> but I'm saying is that I think we had the, we had the most incredible, supportive family. Yeah, and, and that in, in the same way was one of the biggest regrets was I felt like even today I texted an artist who's been on the road for like three weeks. And I said, I saw the pictures of your twins going to first day of school. I almost started crying texting, going to first day and mom taking them to picnic. And then I see your concert photos. I didn't say that. But I, I think you know, you, you've got to be <laughs> you've got to be really drained. Mm -hmm. He goes, you have no idea. I have one more week because oh, wow. they've been overseas mm. and then I get to go home for a week. Now, a lot of those guys on the roads don't have care about family or they can afford to bring their family out for a month. But mm -hmm. even if you can afford it and your kids are in school, the wife's going, are you out of your mind? I'm not going to disrupt my schedule. And mom used to say that to me. I go, why don't you bring them on the bus? Why don't <laughs> we um, have them come out there? And we do it on a weekend, one right up. But you guys were so gracious. All of you kids were so amazing. But I think a big part of it, too, is we included you. I had a friend of mine, Mark Joseph, sit in our kitchen once. And you, it was just you and Jonathan at the time. And he was here, staying here. And he looked at him and he goes, oh, I get it, Guido. You bring the kids in like spies to sniff us out. <laughs> I go, dude, if you don't care about my kids, you sure don't care about what we do. Mm. And then you said it once about John Karras. You remember what you said? That our friends are your friends. Mm -hmm. You know, at 17 or 18, when you went to drove cross country with Jonathan and he took the time out or the time he came and brought pizzas and, yeah. you know, or well, Toby, all the times Toby's and man have been here. It's, it's, we became family. I think, yeah. And I think, uh, the way that you connect with artists for real is when you find out what they care about within their family context and you ask about their family because it's important and, um, I think, uh, I mean, tell me if this isn't true, but I feel like that's one thing that your ministry emphasizes the most and why you say that you get tested the most is because it's, it's about 
having a relationship with your family first and reconciling with them. That's so true. And then then you can, you know, work on your your bandmates and then work on, you know... Well, Amanda said this. She got really offended because I said in the beginning when they were very single, I'm very young, I said to Amanda... <laughs> very single. Very, no, they were single and they were young. And I go, Amanda, this is like marriage. This is the best thing for a marriage. Or they might have been just newlyweds. But I, and you, I was traveling with them before they were married. And I said, you should pray for their relationships because if they're willing to lay down their lives for each other, then what would that mean for you? If three guys or, or four guys or five guys are willing to pour out and invest for each other, that can only bless your marriage. And so a lot of times what happens is, I said the best music comes out of real relationships. So you get a young band together and they're really different guys. And they, if they don't have someone in their life to kind of mediate, they get in fights, they start getting wasted <laughs> and they're, they're tired, they're worn out and the band falls apart. But if you find the focus that you've been brought together and creativity comes out of good relationships. How much more does good creativity come out of great families? Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think we've we've you know we've got a nomadic lifestyle on the road, and that's why I feel the whole music industry imploded. But you I know? do think it's it's family first. If if it's not, nothing's going to work. Right. Mm-hmm. What yeah. does that look like? What does family first look like? Can I ask you a question? Because I you said that to me once, and I will never forget. But I'd like to hear what you think now. What that looks like. Family first to me just seems like even if you're on the road, your priority when you call home is what's going on with the family. And a lot of times I think a a wife or a mom or a newlywed just wants to be heard that this is tough. I miss you. Mm. I need you. The kids are going crazy without you. I can't control them. (laughs) Whatever it is. Because it was all of that. Engage. Engage. I think, yeah, I think uh, for me it was knowing that as soon as dad comes home we're going to get a boxing match in or a wrestling <laughs> match. And that was how that was how we, yeah. that was our love language when we were young is, you know, or playing wrestling. and wrestling. And, um, well, I remember what you said to me, Michael. Daddy, I missed your shaves. Because I used to bring you gifts, remember? When, well, you're probably yeah. too young. Then. But I would bring, and I'd stop at the airport and get those marker color things. You could, you know, just any and, color. Yeah, and it's funny because we, we liked the gifts, obviously, because we were kids. But you wanted in me. the end, we forget what the gifts are, but we remember the times that we Wrestling. spent yeah, with you yeah. when you came home. And, you know, mom coming to all of our games. And, and then dad coming, you know, like Off dad coming bus. back just randomly off the tour and I think that's what's so I think that's what the seed you planted in musicians that you traveled with because now Toby will do a show oh yeah come back home and then go back out again because that time with his family is important and I think that's probably super important well if you look at that website on our, our website that video of Toby was we were going out to do a fundraiser and they asked him to be a part of it and he only had two days off, and he flew from Los... He was right near L.A., Vegas. We are in Vegas for the show. We met at the LAX airport. I mean, randomly, right? See, I just think God orders my steps. I really believe the Bible. So <laughs> every page. And he says, so he, he kind of orders our steps. We're walking through a terminal. Why that gate at that moment? Where Toby said... He, he was like, man, I'm sorry I can't be guys. Are you kidding, Toby? You're living PR Ministries. You're going home to be with your wife for two days and be a daddy. And that means more to us than getting up and speaking on behalf of us. He did a video and put it up on our website. Mm-hmm. But when mom said, when I said, she said, what family first looks like. I remember being on the road and she, I go, honey, I got to get home. It's Michael's birthday or it's Jordan's birthday. Oh, no, honey. 
Uh-uh. We're celebrating on the weekend. They'll be fine. We're celebrating the party this day. And then other times I'd be going, honey, I've been home for three weeks. I'm sorry, you can't leave. <laughs> and that's what family first looks like. Mm-hmm. And I prayed to get a piece and I didn't have a piece. Yeah. And even now, like Mary Beth goes, so what's up? We're in a holding pattern, not just for the grandbaby, but we don't feel, we feel and sense something is about ready to be birthed. <laughs> not just little Bambino Guido, but we feel our whole family's in a process of healing with all of our kids, with all of our family. And there's, we, we feel like we're, God's ready to release a sense of joy and hope that we're expecting in. And um, again, you know, you have death and then you have luck. Mm-hmm. God always brings new life. And you, Mary Beth, are an amazing friend. That's a, that's a good... Um... I'm going to leave it with one question because that's a good thing to look forward to. So what are, you, what are you guys looking forward to in year 32, year 40, 30 more years of marriage? Woo! What are you guys looking forward to? I just talked to Dad about this um, on our anniversary two nights ago. And he said, what are we going to look forward to? Dreaming forward. Dreaming forward, babe. Dreaming forward. At dinner. And the first thing that came to my mind was, I want to live free. Free from religion, from works, from everything that we even think is supposed to be. I just want to be free for whatever he has for us, whatever God has in store. And... I think people are afraid of freedom because it's it it doesn't fit in the box. And thirty one years of living in the box, it's it's time to be free. Mm-hmm. Start thinking more about us and what what he has for us. And I'm excited. I'm excited because I feel like he's got a lot more. And we're just we're just starting. Really, we mm-hmm. kind of had all this prep work. For what he has in store. And I believe it's to walk in freedom and to um, set others free. And because I feel like there's life and freedom. And um, and not to be afraid of it. Yeah. What do you think, Dad? Well, I was just reading what I looked at this morning. We had... A- great anniversary amazing 31st anniversary went to a concert of all things and what it surprised me with and great show and great dinner but it was so cool because everything was just so divinely blessed by god and and then this then yesterday we had a tough night um nothing it it was just a stupid silly argument and we couldn't even tell you what it was about other than we weren't engaging and connecting in the same place so she was reading ephesians about living in the light and she read this so don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for anger of God Uh, don't participate in these things these people do but you were once full of darkness but now you have light from the Lord so we're reflecting on 31 years and how we first got saved and we're full of this light so he says you have light so live as people of light for this life within you produces only what is good right and true so carefully determine what pleases the lord and that's where we're at 31 years what would it be that's where we were at the beginning carefully determine what would please the lord in this season 
because I have dreams to go all over the world. I have dreams, you know, people have spoken, there's books in you, there's speaking in you, there's all these things, there's more bands. And so when we, I thought of it at dinner, I'm looking at the artist and the stadium's packed, everybody's standing up at the Bridgestone Arena, amazing creativity. I'm listening to a different concert than my wife because I'm hearing what he's talking about his life. I'm listening to the lyrics about his broken family and brokenness in his life. And I'm going, this man is a rescue mission. I said, there's our church on the stage and there's the mission field in front of him. Mm -hmm. I always wanted, we always wanted to come alongside those artists to tell them, you know, your family can be restored. You don't have to have a broken family like your dad and mom. You don't have to be, you know, you can be, you know, many people had families that stayed together, but there was no real love and honesty and the vulnerability they, they, they never saw their parents argue. That's great. But the parents were phony. There was no reality of, you know, wrestling through issues. So the kids, you know, and again, if that works for them, that works for them. But for me, for our call, we believe that with these creatives, they're so volatile at times and they don't know how to talk to their wives. They don't because their minds are always creating. So I said to her, I said, I really want to determine what pleases the Lord, where we're supposed to be. And then it, and she read this verse. He said, awake, O sleeper from the dead and Christ will give you light. You can't see with your eyes closed. You have to open your eyes and get out of your sleep, get out of bed and find out what Christ wants you to do. So then it goes into living by the Spirit. So Ephesians chapter 5, but here's what it ends with. And I, and I don't think she knew this when she read it. About no, a man loves his... <laughs> husbands, this means wives submit to your husbands. Husbands means love your wives. So it basically sums it up by husbands. This is what I'm asking you to do. They ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows the love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. And we are all members of his body. So the scriptures declare a man leaves his father and mother and is united to become one. There's a oneness that's happened in 31 years. We're not there yet, but the thing it ends with. So again, I say each man, each man, Again, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, for the wife must respect her husband. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the Christ, of the way Christ and the church are one. So the whole thing it comes down to is you can have all the great art, church attendance, all the wonderful things, great money, bank account, but this is why I believe our marriage for 31 years, the greatest fruit would be that you guys see us still in love and honest at 31 years, but hopefully at 51 and thriving. So our, we, you know, recapturing the romance, that's one of the things we want to do looking forward. We want to recapture um, how, to, how to be um, empty nesters and, you know, and yet grandparents mm -hmm. and how to be free. Not free falling. <laughs> okay. But free. Oh, well, I love you guys. Thank you so much for Thank you so much. Um, thanks for giving us your time. Making us do it. Happy 31 years, sweet. Thank you. I'm just a few Here's days the from Guido coming up on your first year. Our 30, 31st in your one first. One year, Monday. All right. Love you guys. Love you. Love you.